0: Welcome to our service here at Kaka'ako Christian Fellowship. So glad you're here. Uh, very um, special Sunday. Uh, we're going to uh, say thank you and, and really bless and send off the, um, the, uh, the Fowler family. Cheryl, did you want something? Oh, you mean like if people can kind of move into the middle that way? Aye. All right, how's that? Okay, anyway. I hope, I hope at least one of you brought, or someone's going to bring some Poi Donuts (laughs) for Max, because if you all did, then when we have our fellowship time, we're going to put whatever you guys brought, in a plate. And as tradition says, Max will eat every single one. So, that'll, that'll happen. While we pray, ask God for, for some help. Some of us are sick this morning, but God said when we are weak, then he makes us strong. So, Father, we just thank you that we can gather together as a church, as your church, because church really is not where we go. It's not a location. It's not a building. Uh, It's people. It's your people. As your people gather, whether they're just two or three or or as many as are here this morning, we are the church. And Father, we just ask today that if there's anyone here who is in need of, of, of physical healing, we pray now in the name of Jesus that you would heal. Because you and you alone have the power to heal. And so we pray for your healing power to extend throughout this room. And for those who um, were not able to be here this morning, we pray that you would touch us all with your healing power. And Father, we just pray that we ask for your Holy Spirit this morning, that you would illumine the Bible, the Word of God... And that you would speak directly to us. That it wouldn't be my words this morning. It would be your words speaking directly to all of our hearts. And that at the end of the day, we can leave this place knowing that we experienced you. We experienced your presence. We experienced your power. And that when we leave this place, that we would be more in love with Jesus than when we came. And so, Jesus, we glorify you that it is the name of Jesus that is high and lifted up in this church and in this world. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Feel better already. We are taking a quick look at the book of Nehemiah, and there's um, so much that we can learn about following God and, and how, how God wants us to serve and how God wants us to minister by this account of how he... He led this one man. He led this one man, and he wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a king. Uh, he was just a cupbearer to the king. And how God used that one man to lead the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem, and really to get the whole nation to focus back on on God. And and this was all happening after the nation was in exile because they began to follow other gods, and, and, and God would continually remind them through the prophets and warn them through the prophets. But they just they didn't heed, and so finally God says, you know what, I can't do anything else. And he allowed the Babylonians to come in, captured them all, uh, the city was in ruins, and they were there in Babylon for 70 years. And after 70 years, um, they were, some of them were allowed to go back and they started to go back, and they rebuilt the temple, but the walls was a mess. And um, so Nehemiah catches wind of that, and he says, man, he, he just was uh, broken by, what, uh, by the news that he had heard. And God began to put in his heart a real, a real desire, a call to go and rebuild the walls. And many people at that time were saying the walls would never be rebuilt, that the task of rebuilding the walls was, was this is going to be too much. But, but God, through Nehemiah, miraculously completed the task in just 52 days. And as we walk into this new season, really important season in the life of our church, that, that I'm praying, that um, and God I believe God is encouraging us, that we're not just to make a transition, that that we're to move in, and really the best is yet to come, and God wants us to make an impact in our world. And if God can take a group of people and rebuild two and a half miles of wall, 40 feet high, eight feet wide, you know, in 52 days, you know, what can he do with all of us? What could we do in 52 days? And that's what He does. That that he takes people who fully trust him, and he takes this ordinary people, and does extraordinary things through them. He takes things that seem impossible, and that he makes things possible, because all things are possible with God. Last week, we looked at Nehemiah chapter 1 and 2, and we just learned three things. Um, and what um, Sonny alluded to, um, we just learned three things that... Um, that we need to put ourselves in position to make an impact. And like he said, verses you know, sit, that, we, that Nehemiah sat and he cried when he heard about the conditions of the wall. And he wasn't crying for himself, he was crying because his beloved city was in disrepair. And one of the things we need to do as we look around in our city, in our world, what are the things that are happening around us... That, that should break our hearts? What are the things that's happening around us that breaks the heart of God? And we need to look with eyes and with a heart that would be broken for the things that breaks God's heart. And then the second thing was to, that he knelt, that he knelt down and he took time to pray. And not only did he pray, but he fasted. And why that's important because sometimes when we when we see something that seems so urgent, something that seems so important, critical, and emergency, we just want to just go and do something, anything. And I've done that enough to, find, to, to realize that it doesn't really work out so well. And what Nehemiah, he was broken, his heart was broken by what, he, by what he heard, and he took time, and for days, the Bible says that he knelt and he prayed and he sought God. And he sought God by praying and fasting. He humbled himself. And if we're going to make an impact, we've got, to, we've got to kneel and we've got to seek God through prayer and fasting. And then when God revealed his plan to Nehemiah and his call to Nehemiah, then Nehemiah stood and he acted in obedience to God. After four months, of praying and seeking God, knowing that the walls have not been rebuilt, knowing that the city is really vulnerable. Four months, he prayed and prayed, and God finally opened the door. And when God opens the door, we've got to walk through, that we've got to stand in obedience, and we walk through. And what we and the, I think the thing that God wanted to encourage us with is that to make an impact in the world, you don't got to be the best, you don't got to be the strongest, you don't have to be the smartest. Nehemiah didn't do anything based on his position or his, um, his human ingenuity or his strength, that he relied totally on God. He sought God, received his call, and acted in obedience. And that's a great example of what the Bible says, that the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. So often I like to think, the one who calls me is faithful and I will do it. But when God calls you to something, he will supply everything you need so that, and he will do something. And that's the, that's the amazing thing about God. And, you know, when, when, when our hearts are in sync with God's heart and our heart breaks for the things that breaks God's heart... And when we begin to live with a passion to love God and just do what he calls us to do, and that becomes our number one passion in our lives, that above work, school, family, whatever it is, that we want to love God and do what he says, now we're in a position where God can do something. John Wesley, one of the, the leaders who started the Methodist movement, um, he he said this once, light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. It's yeah. powerful, right? Light yourself on fire. So we're going to do it Max today. to light him on fire. And people will come from miles just to watch him burn. <laughs> but but even more important, but you know, we're not going to literally do that because you know, we don't want to burn Max. It smells, right? We're going to put a pile of poor donuts in front of him and watch him eat. That's what we're going to do. But here's, here's the better John Wesley quote that I just love. And I hope that it grabs your heart too. It says, John Wesley said, Give me 100 men, 100 people, men and women, who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. And I care not whether they be clergymen, pastor type people, or lay people. They alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of God upon the earth. He fully, totally believed that. And I believed that. You know? My prayer is that God would just somehow just touch your hearts today in a way that only God can touch your heart. And you say, man, I want to be a part of that hundred. That I want to be a part of that hundred. You know? Today, as we say thank you and to send off Max and his family, um, I would like to encourage him and really all of us and all of you that God has a call for your life, that God has a call. And it might just be for this season, and I don't know, But, but God has a call for you to go out and be a leader and change our world. God has called us to that. And so what I wanted to do was just share just a couple thoughts from Nehemiah about the kind of person, the kind of person who God will use to be a leader who will change the world. See, we're not going to be able to change the world just by being the smartest person around or the strongest person or the, the cleverest person, you know. I mean, Tyrion could, but, you know, just cannot. We just cannot. The cleverest whatever will not work. That, that a person that God will use as a leader is, first of all, a person who receives God's call in a clear way. See, God wants to speak and give you his call in a very clear way, all right? Nehemiah, chapter 2, verse 1. In the month of Nisan, the twelfth 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought to him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had been, in, been you know... I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of the heart. I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors were buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. I mean at that point when I saw that opening, I would say, ooh, 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 ooh. But you know, he he stopped again and he prayed. And he's been praying and fasting for for a while, seeking God. And when God opened the door, he continued to pray and to receive God's call, that we gotta pray. The truth is, if prayer isn't necessary for you to fulfill the mission, then you're probably on a mission that's not from God. That if prayer is not necessary for you to to fulfill whatever this mission that you feel that you're supposed to be on, if prayer is not really a part of that, that's probably a mission that's really not from God. And Nehemiah was a man of prayer. Even, especially in just this urgent situation, uh, he prayed. Verse 5. He prays and he I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so I can rebuild it. See, he's been praying. And it was real clear what God's call for him. And he was able in one sentence to say, this is what I believe God has called me to do. It became Crystal clear. See, after much prayer, God put on my heart that, that, that we needed to start a church. And some of you probably are thinking the same thing that I thought, and I said, you know, way back in 2003, I said, you know, but there really are a lot of churches on this island. Do we need another church? And God says, said to me pretty clear that I want you to start a movement. I want you to start a church that becomes a movement that will reach generations. You know? And and I knew that what God was putting on my heart was not just to start a church. But but it was really to start something that would be like would ignite something and that we would go out and we'd reach generations. And when I got that I knew that it was time for me to leave Moanalua Gardens Missionary Church, you know, to answer that call, you know. And and, and that's where Max is. You know, I, I go on a sabbatical and, and Max been praying and, and he's been he and Sonny and Kelsey have been partying in my office, you know, having a good old time. But in the midst of partying, he, he took a few seconds to, to pray. When I came back, he says, Hey, can I meet? And we met and I could see in his eyes that God had given him a call. Right? And uh, that's where he is. And that's what God wants to place in your heart. It isn't just for pastors. No. It's for all of us. Well, how can you say that? Because Nehemiah wasn't a pastor or priest. No. He was a person who had a secular job in the government. He was working for the federal government, that's what he was. A lot of security there, unless someone was trying to kill the king, then he'd be messed up. Okay? But that's who he was. And, and God will place on your heart, if you would open your heart, he will place his call into your heart. And he will use you as a leader who will impact the world. Now, it's it's not always going to be about starting a church and this kind of thing. That's part of it. But it's so much more. God might put on your heart to, to revolutionize the tourist industry. Or, you know, it, where he might use you in to, for the educational system in Hawaii to just totally change and transform that. That is so important. It isn't just all this spiritual, this is church here, church there, that kind of thing. No. God has placed you right where he has placed you with a reason and a purpose, you see. And he wants you to be a leader right where you are. But he wants you to be his leader with a call because you're there more than just to to earn a living and do okay and and to to be successful. God has a call. God has a call, you know? I see David Doe, and David was in the police force when it was non-corrupt. Anyway, are you in the police force? Sorry, sorry, my bad. Sorry, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. All right, sorry. <laughs> Just kidding. Every industry without Jesus. Is corrupt. But David was, and David was working in the, the sex abuse kind of department. Okay. You think, you think in that whole realm, do you think that God wants to do something? Do you think what he saw day in and day out was not breaking the heart of God? Yeah. It was. And God had Dave right there, and God was going to use Dave. Not just to arrest people, but to minister. He had Dave right where he wanted David to be. Wasn't the most pleasant place to be, huh, Dave? Yeah, no. But but that's what God does. And God will use you where you are. If you just open your heart and he will give you a clear call and you seek God and get that call, that's the kind of person that God will use to lead and change the world. What is God calling you to? Now, how clear is it? Can you define it? You know? What is it that God calls you to? The second thing is, God uses a person to lead and to make an impact in the world is a person who seeks God and under the direction of the Holy Spirit, prayerfully plans things out. Prayerfully plans things out. That God would place his call into your heart and he will give you the plans if you're willing to listen this is a hard one because so often what i want to do is god what you want me to do this great thank you and i zip off and god says wait 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 i want to i want to show you what to do and i say god god i get him i get him And so often what I do is I I hear God's call, and my heart breaks for something, and I say, okay, God, loud and clear, and I do what I want to do. And it doesn't always work out that well. Because God wants to give us his plan, if we're willing to listen. Nehemiah 2, verse 6. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, how long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. He wasn't like when the door was open, he already had been praying, God had downloaded plans and he'd been thinking about this, so when the king says, "What do you want? It wasn't like uh, you know I want, I want to go back to the city when you, I don't know what do you want to do I'm not sure. He says this: it pleased the king to send me so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. He said, you know what, Go need some protection. So I need some letters, some official letters. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so that he will give me timber, to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. I'm going to need some stuff. I'm going to need some resources. And God had given to Nehemiah some very specific plans, set a timeline so he could share that with the king. He needed protection. He needed resources. And when the king asked him and when God opened the door, he had answers. Because God had given him a specific plan. And when God calls you to something, he will give you the plans if you're willing to listen. That if you're willing to stop long enough to listen. You see, as, as when we started this church, I spent hours and days just seeking the Lord with a blank screen and a blank paper and said, God, what do you want us to do? I heard things like, shoot for the stars. What does that mean? You know? When you think of Gen X, Mark, pray and shoot for the stars of that generation. And I said, okay. And And as we transition into this new season in the life of our church, I find that I'm spending more time with God than I ever did in my life. You know, it's like, God, I got to know. I got to know. I had to spend time. And as Max leads his team out, that's my encouragement to him. That more than anything else is to seek God for his plans. In fact, this is so important. I almost insisted, begged Max to take a month off. You know? And that's why he is, we're saying aloha to him today, and it's in a month in June that we're going to be commissioning the entire team. And that was because, you know, in my negotiations with Max, I said, Max, you got to take a month. And it wasn't just to have fun, but it was time to really seek the Lord because God wants to give him plans, not his plans, not the plans of you guys that are going to be following him. It's not a time for you guys on the team to go, all right, I get to do what I want now. It might be, but that wouldn't be the best plans. Yeah. max got to hear from God, and God will give him a plan. The third thing, the kind of person God uses to lead, to be a leader, make an impact in the world, is a person who shares God's call with others, who God will raise up to join in. A leader is a person God gives certain gifts and talents and a call that he is called to inspire and influence others a leader is someone when God gives you a call and you start moving toward you look behind there are people following if people not following something's wrong and the thing in the church and in God as a spiritual leadership you know there is no we don't have much leverage right I can't say, hey, you guys want to, you guys, you guys want your job? You want you want to, you want to still work here? Follow me, okay, right? We don't got that kind of leverage. What we have is spiritual influence. It all comes from God, and God uses a person who shares His call with others with a passion, and others who God is raising up joins in. In mm-hmm. Nehemiah 2.11, Nehemiah says, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there for three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put on my heart to do in Jerusalem yet. He didn't didn't do any of that yet. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate. Probably not the most popular gate, yeah, the dung gate. I don't know who... Hey, what gate do you want to go? Let's go to the dung gate. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I should find out. Was the gate made of dung? I don't know. Was it just, anyway, if you don't know what dung is, just see Max. He knows. <laughs> Examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by the fire. So he's just kind of surveying the land. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool and but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up to the valley by night, examining the wall. So he went over. He surveyed the situation. Finally, I turned back, re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. Because as yet, I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or the officials or anyone else who would be doing the work. So he gets there. God gives him a plan. God gives him a call. God gives him a plan, and then he goes and he just checks it out, checks it out. Oh, yep. Yep, it's as as bad as I thought. In fact, they all look like dungates to me. It's as bad, right? A leader knows that you don't make a difference all by yourself, and God's call will almost always involve others. If you're just there and you're going to hog Jesus stuff, you do everything yourself, that's not a leader. That's a martyr. You know? But God calls people who knows that they, they, don't do it, they don't do it alone and that involves others. After serving the situation, Nehemiah does just that in, uh, in verse 17. Then I said to them, after looking all over, then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. And I also told them about the gracious hand on my, of my God on me, and what the king had said to me. God shares his call. God shares the call that God's given him. God shares, And then he shares the plan. Nehemiah shares the plan. So how did the people respond? Verse 18. They replied, shoot, let's start building. Let's start rebuilding. So they began this good work. See? God gave him a specific call. He prayed. God gave him a plan. Then he looked and he says, yeah, as bad as I thought. This is something that we're going to have to all work together. So he shares it with the people, and he says, you guys in? And they go, let's start rebuilding. So they began this good work. And like they say, the rest is history, or more accurately, his story is what it all is. And I remember our first Sunday meeting as a church in the McKinley High School cafeteria back in 2004. God had given me a call, he given me a plan, and, and, and just being in that calf was, was just sort of surreal for me. It was like, whoa. And I, and I, and I kind of had a feeling, a small feeling of what Nehemiah felt. It was like, man, we're here. And I remember leaning over and talking to Darwin Rogers, who's now living in, um, on the mainland. And I said, Darwin... We're here. Man, we're finally here. Can you believe? Darwin's an alumnus of Makili High School. And I said, man, we're here. Can you believe this? And it was exciting, and it was nervous. And I just remember just that we were there with a, just a trust that God was going to do what he had called us to do. And over the last week or so, I, um, I began to look at some documents that I had written from back then. And it's incredible to see how God had led us and just how, how perfect his timing and, and everything was. And that so much of the, the, the building and the, and the battle was, was being fought on my knees, you know? And I was writing out, and I looked back at all these documents, and I think, man, so many of them are still true today. That God's call for us back then is still true for us today. And this is a new season, and we've got to keep moving forward, but the call is still there. And I began to think, you know, 15 years later, that his call still stands and, and uh, you know, it hasn't changed because we haven't accomplished all that he's called us to do. And I've been thinking about, you know, with Max, and Vanessa, and, and the family going out and, and the team that they have going out. And I thought, how is it that a church that is as young as we are, relatively young, 15 years, and... A church of our size get to start like three churches. You know, that God says, you know what, I got a call for you guys. If you can even seek me, I'm going to use you to do stuff that you, don't, you can't even dream about. And I remember on the first day when Max started here, I get a call from a person who comes to our church about a Chinese pastor who is just in a really hard situation. And I was asked, can you meet with him? Max was, Max was right there that first day at work. He just looked all, you know, just wore nice clothes. And he said, you know, Mark, I, I just finished washing your car. Is there anything else that you want me to do? And I said, well, I got to go meet a pastor now. So maybe while I'm gone meeting the pastor, the, the carpet needs to be um, uh, vacuumed and, and maybe washed if you have time. And he goes, yes, Master, yes. And uh, <laughs> then he says, oh, I, I, I think I know that pastor. And Max indeed knew that he was a pastor in the Liliha area. It was Tony Wong. And I said, Max, well, you know, you can do the carpet later. Why don't you come with me? And then on that first day, Max came, and we met Pastor Tony Wong in, in McDonald's. And we talked for a few minutes. And all of a sudden, God says, I got a plan for you. What's the plan? Help this guy, because you guys are gonna start a church with him. And I said, Okay. So while we're talking, I'm praying, praying. God, you gotta give me the plan. I've got no plan. But by the end of our talk, um, I said, Hey Tony, I think God is saying that we gotta help you start this church. That we're gonna we're gonna plant a new church for you to minister to Mandarin speaking people in our community because I don't speak Mandarin. I know a little bit of Cantonese. Warwonton Min, you know, I know ji. Uh, I know that, but that's about it. I got no Mandarin, you know. I think that's like Happy New Year or something like that. Lizzie, is that Happy New Year? Kind of. Well, you don't gotta get all specific, okay? It's not my normal natural tongue. See, the inquiry, you know, something like that, right? Kinda, kinda, right? All right, I won't embarrass myself anymore. But Lizzie was on the call. And I said, Tony, I think God has called you, called us to start a new church with you. We can give you some resources, train you as best we can, but we don't got money. <laughs> And Tony says, I can get the money. And church still meets in Kalihi. You know? Met with this pastor who had been just... Bad situation at his church. He resigned. He was going to retire. Talk with them. Felt God say... You're going to start a new church with that guy. Okay. Listen to him talk. He's talking about Manoah. Tears in his eyes as he talked about Manoah. And I said, you seem to really love Manoah. Okay. I said, I think God is saying, we're supposed to help you start a church. And uh, we, can, we can supply some resources and some training but we don't got no money. And he says, I can get the money. And, and Streams of Life Church started, and they're ministering to the people in Manoa. And I look at all these things, and I think, how is this possible? God put a call on Max's heart that, that he as he prayed for God's call to, to start a church, to reach people from Diamond Head to Cocoa Head, the Two Heads, right? You could have called that the Two-Head Church. But <laughs> you know, better than Solid Light. That's like lame. It's like the Two-Head Church. But, but anyway, God put, put that on his side. He says, Mark, I think God's calling me. I said, I think so too, Max? We can give you resources. We, no, I, didn't <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I should have. but we didn't. And what makes this one the most special to me is that, that there will be a team of people from our church. And, 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 and I felt like when Max guys were going out, I felt like it, it, it couldn't be, we couldn't do like a lame sacrifice like how the Israelites were doing with God and give him. Just the crippled sheep, you know, the, the one eyed goat, you know, that, that, that we had to. <laughs> no, Grant, I'm not talking about you, okay? I'm not. Promise. Promise. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Talking about Barry No, I'm not. I'm not. Okay. I prayed and I said, God, we ain't that big. And whoever goes with Max, is going to leave a gaping hole in our church. But it's not about covering gaping holes. God has called us to be a church that sends and a church that goes out. That's what he's called us to do. So I began to pray. And I said, God, give Max not... The most gifted people, but give them the right people. Give them the best people who are the right people to go with them. And as the team began to get assembled, you know, I thought of someone that I don't really care for a lot. Gives me a lot of problems, but her name is Cheryl Sue back there. And, and she does a lot of the work behind the scenes, our Easter service, our Christmas. You know, that hurts. I'm going to miss Cheryl. Because Cheryl, when I used to call, used to say, at your service. I like that. <laughs> From our elders, we need people that will go with Max. And so we looked around and we said, who has the, who has the, the most, the straightest posture in, our, in, in the eldership? Who is this real... You know, and Neil Shimobukuro said, that's Jimmy Miyashiro. <laughs> I have had Jimmy Miyashiro in my youth group when he was in seventh grade. <laughs> yeah. And he he loved the punishment so much, he stuck around all these years. It's like, as much as his posture puts me to shame, I'm going to miss Jimmy. But that's what God called us to do. And so I am excited about what God is doing and the team that God has assembled. Because God does not look for the extraordinary people with the greatest skills and the sharpest intellect or the strongest. In fact, 1 Samuel 16 says, What the Lord said to Samuel, Don't consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. What does God look for? God looks for people who have a heart for him. That's what he looks for. That's something we all can have. He looks for people. What is the kind of people that God looks for? It's the people when John Wesley envisioned and said, give me 100 men who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. And I care not whether they are clergymen or laymen they alone, a hundred men and women, will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven upon earth. That's who God is looking for. He's looking for people who are going to sit and cry. He's going to look for people who will kneel and pray and fast. He's going to look for people who are going to stand and act in obedience to Him. And God will give those people a clear call. And He will give them through the, through the power of the Holy Spirit... His perfect plan to accomplish His call. And then God will give those people such a passion that it will inspire other people who will join in and accomplish the task at hand. That's what God does. That's what He did with Nehemiah and that's what He's doing with Max. This is an exciting, exciting time in the history of our church. And whether... You are part of the team that's going or the part of the team that's staying here. We all need people who will count themselves as part of that 100. We cannot move forward on our own. I just can't. Max can't. We can't do this. That, that, that we need all of you because it's going to take all of us. And so today, you know, we're going to honor someone who is really chosen to do just what Nehemiah has done. So I want to call up Max Fowler and his family up. Sonny. <laughs> uh, if you guys could come up today, that would really help. <laughs> Hustle makes it happen. What's that, man? It's like food on that one. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> them are the followers, right? Max, oh, Vanessa, Cruz, Sky, and Miley. God has given them a call. God has given them a call. Oh, got to give this to you, too. This is for you. I saw this bag and... This thought of you. Me or Cruz? You. Oh, thank yeah, you. see right here. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, no, I'm sick, so you better. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm going to call. Where's, where's, where's the crew? Come on. You two. Up, please. Hustle makes it happen. Sunny? Before the sun comes up, down, goes down. We're going to be praying for them. We're going to pray that God gives them and God gives this this Jamoki right here a real clear call. And in the days to come he's going to cement his plan. That he's going to communicate it with his team. And together they're going to do something great. They're going to do something great. So let's pray for them. Why don't you extend your hand? I'm going to go behind because I'm sort of sick. Father, we just thank you for Max and his family. That I look, so much has has taken place uh, while Max has been at our church. Churches have been started people have been raised up, you know. Max ran for office, there's all kinds of things. And at a very critical time in the life of our church, you brought Max to be with us. And now at a very critical time in the history of our state, you are sending Max out. We are sending Max out and Vanessa and this family and this team to go out and to make a difference. Because you have called him to be a leader that's going to make a difference. I could have told the story of Max Fowler. It would have been pretty similar to the the story of Nehemiah. Because that's the path that you've got Max on. I pray that your blessings and that your highest purposes for Max would be accomplished. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody. uh, who got the mic? Somebody got a mic? Max? You want to say anything?
1: We, all of us, uh, we were talking about today, you know, how um, we feel and how is, is it going to be sad? How sad are we going to be? And um, I think we all um, shared, yeah, it's going to be sad, but there's also this excitement in us. And I think that goes for all of us as a church you know, we all feel the same thing. It is never easy to be able to leave people that you love so much, but when God calls, we know we have to go. You know, we listen to Him, and then we do it. We listen, and we do it. And that just seems to happen in our lives, and, and in all of our lives. And so, yeah, today I, I think, you know, this um, sermon series is just so amazing. Isn't it how God weaves everything together? And he's calling all of us to be Nehemiahs to look around and see the people in our lives that don't know Jesus yet and then watch God use you. Watch him use all of us to be able to help build into their lives the kingdom of God, build a relationship with Jesus Christ because he's done that in each one of our lives. And it's been so amazing. And Pastor Mark has been such a huge influence in my life and in our family's life, the way that he's taken us in. And he's really been an awesome, just a spiritual dad for us. You know, I remember how many times he comes over to our house with, like, boy donuts (laughs) and, like, things from Liliha Bakery because we live right next to the bakery. And, you know, he's just been giving, so giving and loving for us. And there's been so many times in my life, personally, to show me grace and forgive me for all the stupid things I've done. <laughs> and so, you know, he, I just, I, I wanted, I could stand up here for so long, but just to say thank you, Pastor Mark. Oh, you're welcome. And welcoming me into this family. <clears throat> you know, the first time I had met him through our Transformation Hawaii Network, but um, I was standing in line at my cousin's funeral. He passed away mm. and passed and uh, Pastor Mark was there in line. And, you know, we just got to talking, and I just caught his heart. His heart to uh, minister to somebody before they passed away so that they could really um, get to know the Lord and enjoy the Lord. And Pastor Mark was that person. And he's been that person for so many of us. And same thing with Joanne, too. Joanne has welcomed us in and she's prayed for our family so much, going through so many tough times and hard times and been just so generous in her love and her grace for us. And so we have a, a family here who's watched over us, who cares for us, and we're so blessed. Because, you know, you feel safe when you have people who, who love you like that. Like you can fall down, they're going to pick you up. You're not on your own. And so we just wanted to say thank you for letting us feel like that, for being being able to watch over spiritually and just being there for us in general. And then thank you to all of you, too, because there's so many of you that over the years, it's been seven years, there seems to be some kind of cool pattern here. That we were at our first church for seven years there on staff, and then we were at this church for seven years, so there's a godly pattern there, but... So many in people we've met over seven years that we've become so close with. And you guys have just really um, been so awesome for us. And there's, it's family. That's what church is. It's a family. And so uh, we might be, you know, going to a different part of town. But we're all going to be working together for this. And we're all in the same church. Mm-hmm. Amen. So anyway, I could go on and on and on. but I said, I don't know, Did did you want to say anything? Okay.
2: I just, this memory came back to me when I was just going through some stuff, and Joanne and I met at Alamoana, Moana, and um, just her heart of prayer, of encouragement to worship God, to get into the Word. Um, and just, that's, that's just one example, but it constantly um, how our pastors have just so ministered to us, and been there for us, and how this church is so full of incredible, amazing people, of all different ages, and um, and there's people here that have had such a big impact on our lives. And I just want to say thank you so much um, for your hospitality, your love, your kindness. Because as you do that to others, you set an example. And it, like, continues. And I know it's had an impact on my life and how I want to become. So um, just thank you so much for everything.
1: Awesome. And then, sorry. So our kids were, like, eight, six. Smiley was eight. Sky was six. And Cruz was four. And so, you know, we have just grown. (laughs) We've all grown, (laughs) you know. And... These guys, I I believe, thank you so much for pouring into all of them—youth pastors, youth leaders, and all of you. And you know, I've I've just seen our family so blessed, and we just want to communicate that. Like we cannot—we're we're we're just so blessed by you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. Thank you.